Welcome, guys. You're listening to B Plus with Braden Zimmer. This is episode three, and I have on today Amanda Dobbin. Hi. Hello, hello. Good to have you. <laughs> Thank you. We met way back in elementary school. Um, I probably, were you, did you start at Anderson in kindergarten? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So kindergarten. <laughs> and I remember the, the first memory I have is my mom saying, I would always talk to my mom about who I was crushing on. Oh my God. And I was, I can't remember who I was saying. And she was saying, have you, uh, what about Amanda Dobbin? She's going to grow up to be a beautiful woman. Oh my God. Have I told you that before? I think you might have. Yeah, I think yeah. I have. And mom, you were wrong. Evidently. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding um yeah but that was that's my first memory but we i don't know exactly when we became friends close friends um i think more into like maybe a little bit late elementary but then like became friends but then closer friends more through high school mm-hmm. i think and especially like i think first year after high school is when i became really good friends with like a lot of you guys hmm. that's when i think it, it took the next step but we were oh. obviously friends before that but yeah. i think we just became closer after that so mm personally <laughs> yeah i i would i can't remember it doesn't not it's neither here nor there she's she's a great gal <laughs> oh thanks. um and now she's is it your final year of school yeah wanna, finally it's been long enough i want to say a bit about that okay sure um <laughs> i am currently in my sixth year of university wow yeah uh, which means I'm super educated now. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I started out kind of uh, doing anthropology. I went down to a school in um, Illinois, like a little junior college. Super weird. I was playing volleyball down there. Uh, ended up not being for me for various reasons. So I came back. Which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I came back to Nanaimo to go to VIU um, and basically... Stayed in anthropology for a couple more years. Really decided, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Bounced around a bunch. I was like, maybe education, maybe Mm. political science. Super weird. Um, And then I eventually decided on tourism management. And now I am a tourism management major with a anthropology minor. Political science. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I think, I'm I'm listening to that. I'm thinking, okay, that makes sense, makes sense. I've heard that before. I don't know if I knew you were considering political science. Yeah, I kind of had made a full switch before I even took any courses. It was really funny. And then obviously I finished the semester off and I was like, actually, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Um, okay. I only ever took one, I think, real political science course, but I just thought it was really interesting. Um, I still have a, a bit of interest in politics, but it's not something I want to make a career out of. It just seems very, uh, I don't know. It's a little complicated, uh-huh. dry in some aspects and just overwhelming in a lot of aspects yes. too, I think. I think so. that's the main thing is like, it just feels like you can't ever crack the surface yeah. of finding it, figuring anything out. It's always just an endless debate. Yeah, definitely. You, who's your prof? Do you remember? For that one? Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. He was really nice. I don't remember his name. He had gray hair and glasses and he was like kind of younger looking. Mark? But his hair was... Oh, it might have been Mark. Oh, uh, yeah. there's two Marks. There's Mark Blakell and Mark Williams. I think it might have been Mark Williams. Okay. That's I don't know him as much. familiar, but... Yeah. Good faculty. Yeah. I yeah. thought... Yeah. Anyways. He was really nice. Just yeah. not for me. <laughs> the course, not Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah okay. the course. <laughs> and you went in there thinking, oh, there's some good looking professors oh, in this. That was I, why you were going to switch. Mm, um, <laughs> sure. I want to know, did you go to Illinois for, was it, what year did you go to Illinois? Uh, 2015. So like right, that was your first year? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right out of high school. Um, Scholarship? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, which coincidentally was also uh, the election year for Donald Trump. 
Oh. Yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> so were you were you there post Trump? No, pre-Trump. Okay, so you were there yeah. in the build-up to Trump. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There was like some some of my classmates because I was I wasn't in like Chicago. I was in rural Illinois, where so a lot of my classmates were a little bit more on the conservative side. Um, mm. A couple of them were going on Trump rallies and stuff. So yeah. that was an an interesting environment for me to be in mm-hmm. um, as a young, fresh eighteen-year-old. Um, but uh, yeah, especially coming from Vancouver Island, which is like very liberal, largely. Yeah, so, for sure it is. Yeah. Um, is that why? Okay, well, actually, I'm not going to diverge. Uh, <laughs> okay. So you were there for a full year? Did you do a full uh, season? A semester. Yeah, it was a full season. Um, but the seasons down there only last for a semester. Um, and so I did finish off the season um, and then came back second semester and trained with VIU. Mm. Um, just redshirted with them and then... The year after that, I started officially playing for VIU. So, good decision. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Sometimes I, I was like, oh, what if I had initially out of high school went to like a bigger school somewhere? That would have been really cool. Um, but I also, I don't see myself having gotten the accomplishments that I got at bigger schools that I did at VIU. Sorry, does that make sense? Hmm. I think I did more at VIU than I could have done at maybe like a a Div two school even in the states or something. Mm. So, as far as so, volleyball goes. <laughs> and maybe Div 2 is going to attract a lot of strong players, you mean? That, yeah. And it's just way more, uh, like, especially in the States, it's just so competitive. It's such a different culture. And, like, we were super competitive at VIU, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. I think in, in the States, it's, uh, okay, you're practicing uh, twice a day sometimes. And you're going to the gym every single day. And for me, like, even uh, at VIU and just balancing school and... and athletics it was sometimes quite overwhelming and so mm-hmm. i think if i'd been in the states i would have been like i mean through my whole career at a school that wasn't a junior college i think it would have been very very overwhelming for me personally mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know <laughs> was was the experience of getting out of high school uh-huh. moving to a different country <laughs> yeah to a place where you knew no one to go to university for the first time and play, is it called varsity? A varsity level sport? Yeah, a varsity level How's sport. that? What was that semester like? How was your... Honestly, I feel like I am a minority in saying this, but I have never really struggled with... <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> I've never really struggled with the the changes. Like, I remember even going from elementary to high school, and mom was like, oh my god, are you nervous? And I was like, like, not really. <laughs> am I supposed to be... That's um, called confidence. Yeah, you know? Um, but she was always, uh, yeah. So she just said, oh it's, oh, it's a good thing. I'm glad that you embrace change. And so for mm. me, I don't know, I've just been very... I mean, sometimes you're a little bit afraid of change. But yeah. I think for me, for the most part, I've been very much open to change and open to new opportunities. And yeah, I don't know. It's exciting for me. <laughs> Were you lonely at all? Um, not really. I didn't what? have I didn't have much of a chance to be lonely. Oh, okay. I had a whole team mm-hmm. by me and we I lived on campus um and we largely lived with our teammates so mm-hmm. I and we were lived in dorms of four people so I had one roommate oh. in my actual room mm-hmm. and then we shared an apartment with two other girls and so it was I was and then right across the hallway there was more of our teammates and um my boyfriend at the time lived right downstairs in the same That's section crazy. of the building yeah so it was like okay I was not alone very often so it was hard to be lonely for me um obviously like sometimes miss some of my friends and my family back home a yeah, little bit but um for the most part it was i was just busy and i was only there for like four and a half months i think so okay yeah that makes more sense actually because i was yeah. i was just gonna say 
I wonder if you had any similarities because when I moved to Calgary, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think the difference was I moved there and didn't ha- going to school and having a bunch of new connections is a different thing than going and being part of a workplace where you see those people in a professional way from nine to five and then you walk <laughs> away at, and go home to your par- empty apartment. At, yeah, at night. yeah. I know you talked to me a bit about that too, and I because I was gonna move to Calgary mm-hmm. and I was just like so hyped for it and I was like okay this is gonna happen and you're like it's hard to make friends (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to make friends when you don't have some centralizing like yeah I I underestimated how how crucial school was yeah to having to making friends yeah definitely and and Colby if you're listening you 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 were a great friend he he got hired with me um and he was the other guy at the office that I worked at who was my age Great guy. Great guy. Yeah, good, Shout out Colby. Yeah, good guy, good friend. <laughs> but other than that, I think also being me being in a relationship back mm-hmm. home. Yeah. So I think maybe I would have been more inclined to go out and meet girls if yeah. I was single. Yeah. And try and strike up a, a relationship that way. Yeah. But I just didn't have any options. I think it's easier, yeah, to make friends sometimes when you are single in a new place because then you're like, okay, I can date this person, make friends with his friends or or her friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's definitely difficult. I think it can still be done. It just takes a little bit more, I don't know, creative thinking. (laughs) Which I obviously didn't possess. (laughs) You're busy. You're in a new place. You're working. I'm just teasing. Yeah. And I think there's something something to be said too for if if you go out to a a bar on Friday and you meet someone of the opposite sex or whatever Mm -hmm. and you just have that freedom to be close because you're single you don't have to worry yeah. about like okay my what are, what are the boundaries yeah definitely in any case um yeah so what was the decision to come home um for you from- ultimately the the team i was on just the level of volleyball we were playing wasn't really what i wanted it to be mm-hmm. um and so i don't know i just I've always been competitive i wasn't like i mean i didn't in high school i wasn't playing for like the ultra competitive team that was always winning every single thing, but we did pretty well for ourselves <laughs> for coming from the Nimo, I think. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know, and I'm just a competitive person. And so down there, it was just like, okay, this isn't what I'm wanting. I wasn't even playing in my position. I was playing right side. I'm normally a middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just like, really wasn't for me. And mm-hmm. I knew almost my entire club team from grade 12 went to VIU. So I was just like, I had a lot of connections on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and my coach from grade 12 also was coaching at VIU at the time as an assistant coach. And so um, I was just in a lot of like conversations with him and Shane, our head coach, and everybody else. And so I kind of was just like, I think this is a good place for me to go to, mm-hmm. at least for the time being. See if it, see if I like it, see if it works for me, um, which obviously it did. It did. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So I don't know. It was just, it was a, mostly a volleyball decision yeah because it was that's the reason i went down there in the first place i wasn't there because i loved rural illinois you know like that's not <laughs> i love rural, rural illinois oh yeah actually i visited there a couple i did some schools in rural illinois like near urbana urbana Urba- yeah urbana joliet i stayed in joliet for a while joliet, yeah where what, what town were you in i can't remember it was like kind of in between um, a place called Kiwani, oh. if I'm pronouncing that right, and a place it? called Galva. Galva was tiny. Okay. Um, it was more of like a little, in my opinion, it was more a little boutique town. I only went there a couple times. Um, it was really cute. 
walked around a couple times. Um, and then Kiwani was more of like a, it was a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. still pretty small. Um, and, but it was more like residential, I think. And, okay. um, we played our games in Kiwani, I think we had like our home gym there. So yeah, it was more there. I don't know, but it was all surrounded by cornfields and whatever. I don't know. I think I have some good memories from there. Like it's not something where I'm like, F rural Illinois, you know, <laughs> like I, I would go back and I have a couple friends who I would still like to visit down there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, for me, I prefer BC, mm. but yeah, it's, it's hard not BC is beautiful. BC is beautiful. Yeah. And all my friends and family are here. So it's, well, most of my friends and family. So <laughs> <laughs> every friend you ever had outside of BC is pissed. No. Yeah. They're <laughs> um, so did you, was your coach down there um, a guy? Yes. Do you have assistant coaches? Yes, we had two assistant coaches. Um, one was another guy, and one was the head coach's wife. Oh, okay. I think, but I, yeah, it was more. It was mostly just the head coach, though. I think it's hard to remember. It was a while ago now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting old. Um, but <laughs> relatable. Yeah, it was him and his wife and his other assistant coach guy friend i don't remember even really his name sorry <laughs> sorry if you're listening to this <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he is yeah <laughs> uh, and then at viu you had shane was the head coach yeah and then for a while you had jordan church yep who's a, a guy so they're both guys <laughs> and then guy. <laughs> what are the have you had any other coaching figures uh, oh Shahi. yeah yeah of course <laughs> jazz Shahi, shout out um yeah he's been there through my whole time there him and shane have, were the two constant they were there from my first year to my last year mm-hmm. um all their, their assistant coaches were a little bit more in and out um but there was if you're trying to get it like are you trying to get it like female coaches and stuff like well some... i was i was just kind of wondering and i realized now that we're talking about it i wonder whether you're going to want to comment on this <laughs> like there are people i'm sure you have good relationships with other coaches but yeah, yeah, yeah what's it like being coached by male coaches like, do you, do you ever find yourself thinking about that? Or is that something that just um, never came up? No, I think about it sometimes. Um, I It's hard to say, like, in the context of university, because I, like, and especially playing for for Shane, because he's definitely more of a, a dominant head coach, where he's like, okay, this is, I'm going to run things this way, and this isn't coaches, I think, um, obviously have input, but it's Shane's running the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know, my only other... I think I only had like two female coaches through my whole, like head coaches through my whole career. Mm-hmm. One of them was in like grade eight, maybe. Um, so that doesn't really count. That was, no. that was school volleyball. So again, it doesn't really count. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, I had a couple for club in grade 10 ah. um, who, yeah. I remember at the time, a lot of the girls, it, it was difficult because I don't know, they just were very, very intense. Really? Um, yeah, they were very more so than a lot of the guys, a lot of the, yeah, depend, maybe not more than Shane, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was tough for like, I, th- I know a lot of the girls, um, and for me, I don't know. I don't really remember how I felt about it. Honestly, I, I think it was tough, but it, for me, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to quit. Mm. I was, that was never something that crossed my mind. So, um, but yeah, no, the assistant coaches I had in, at VIU as females were always really, really good though. Mm. Um, yeah. Made some good friends there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They always had a good, good input. A couple of them were like previous players as well. So that was always nice to have that, that connection where they knew 
what it was like to be in your position. Absolutely. Mentors. Yeah. Totally. So I don't know. There's not, I don't know if I have a, a whole lot more to say on that. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, one thing that came to mind is intensity of the coach. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's always intrigued me. I, I've watched, I watch the NHL. Okay. <laughs> I watch hockey. And hockey. I'm just thinking of the sports. I don't really watch other major league sports. But there's always this like revolving door of coaches. So if a team's not mm-hmm. playing well, it's a, it's a common thing to fire the coach, bring a new coach in. Yeah. And oftentimes that new coach will have success in, in the first little while, but then that success will kind of wear off. Yeah. And it's interesting to see different coaches have different styles in terms of some coaches will just yell and yell and yell and yell and yell. Yeah. And some will be like, no, you're doing well. Yeah. Or they have a more nurturing approach. Yeah. Do you find, did some... Did you find the majority of people you play with responded better to one of those or the other? The nurturing versus the intense? Um, I think maybe through club, I feel like the nurturing was a bit more. Um, but through university, I think the intensity was a little bit more. I don't know. We responded more to the intensity just because that's also how Shane is. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's hard to compare it to nurturing versus intense when I was playing in university because Shane's not a, a nurturing person. <laughs> mm, so you had you pretty much had intense the whole way through. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, but I mean, he got the results and <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's been there for two decades now. So, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to say that, that intensity is bad because he, you know, he got the results being an intense coach and yeah. players that couldn't put up with it would just kind of, leave Leave. at some point yeah (laughs) which maybe is a bad thing for individual players but overall i mean his goal is to get the program Mm -hmm. a a win a national championship and he's done that numerous times right yeah more than (laughs) once for sure so yeah um yeah yeah that would be what i have to say about that i think (laughs) Hmm. i'm just from my own experience i remember i i i have a notoriously weak sports head game okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> always have and i remember being terrified and i but i can't remember if i was i can't remember if one of those helped more because i think if if you if people got pissed at me mm-hmm. i'd crumble okay and then if people were nurturing i would think they were lying <laughs> so basically i'm just a head case yeah so yeah. i guess I, I guess neither um neither approach really helped me yeah i think the way i could maybe compare it a bit more is like with my teammates because that's not always a form of coaching but a form of motivation Mm -hmm. maybe if you're talking about motivation between like intensity and and nurturing Mm -hmm. um i think i like a good balance of it like sometimes my teammate yells at me i'm like yeah you're right like i do need to do better like Mm -hmm. especially if you're yelling at me like Mm. i do need to be better but they also have to be justified in it because if I make one mistake and my teammate yells at me. I'm kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Now I'm more angry. I'm probably going to play worse because I just feel like you didn't have a good reason to yell at me there. Mm-hmm. Um, True. But it also, yeah, it also comes with the nurturing though because I'm like, okay, I did really need you to say something nice to me there. I needed you to tell me I was good. Like I'm someone who kind of, I do enjoy recognition. Um, I mm. like to be told that I'm doing a good job. Um, but also if I don't feel like I'm doing a good job and someone says, hey, good job, that kind of pisses me off. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's true. And I'm like, no, 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 I was, don't lie to me. Mm. Like, I was playing bad there. And they're like, no, 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 it was good. And I think just because I'm a pretty self-critical person, though, too. Like, yeah. I think I'm harder on myself than people are hard on me sometimes. I'm, I'm the same, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Do you find that extends to other areas in sports? Other areas than sports? Like, in, um, in your life, do you find that 
Yeah. You're self-critical just all over the place? Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Depends how much I care about it as well, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'm pretty self-critical in schooling um, in my assignments, but I'm also really notorious for handing in my assignments last minute. Um, and so they're not as good as maybe they could be, but I'm like, ah, it's good enough. And I've had pretty decent grades through high school, not high school, sorry. Um, well, all high school and university. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I do things last minute, but I also know I could probably be getting eight pluses on everything if, if I finished them a couple of days before and then spent the last couple of days, you know, proofreading it and <sighs> adding things in and like, you know, all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So I think it really comes down to like what I care about really changes how critical of myself I am because I care about volleyball a lot I care about school but I don't I'm really fine with just getting by in school as well Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you relate to that I feel like you were a little bit more of a (laughs) of a perfectionist for your school stuff yeah I I what I relate to is the procrastination yeah I found it and I'm realizing in my job now I didn't I actually didn't have I'm getting better organizational skills in my job in a year and a half than I have, that I got all throughout school. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, just for like papers and things. And in theory, it's great to write it a little bit at a time, but in practice, it happens a lot toward the end. And maybe yeah. I wasn't like the night before, but still, I can relate to that. You kind of only do it when push comes to shove. It's, you yeah. need that like rubber meets the road. Um, look at me throwing cliches out there (laughs) what are other sayings that mean the same thing yeah yeah. no um but definitely no i can't relate to being school was definitely my number one motivator yeah that was my volleyball yeah no for me it was definitely i think if i hadn't played volleyball in university i would have for sure taken at least one gap year maybe more Mm -hmm. um i think that's part of why i did jump around so much in my in my majors and you know, because I just didn't, I didn't have a full understanding of what I really wanted to do. And anthropology interested me, but I got a couple years in and I was like, I just don't see myself getting my master's and my PhD. Like, I just don't have the motivation to go through with all of this extra school, mm-hmm. even though I find it interesting. I'm not like, oh my God, I love this. Let me do five, 10 more years of school of this. Um, so yeah, I don't know. For... I definitely would have taken a gap year if it hadn't been for volleyball, but I also think I appreciate my schooling experience so far and the fact that, I mean, it might have been more costly for me to jump between majors, but I think overall for my personal growth, it's also been kind of helpful um, because I've had so many different, I've taken so many different courses across Mm -hmm. so many different um, topics now that it's just, I think I have a pretty general knowledge of a lot of topics, Mm -hmm. um, which I kind of like. Yeah, um, I agree. It's nice to have... At, pretty good at trivia, so... And <laughs> <laughs> the, the trivia topic, anthropology 101. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <No>. exactly. <laughs> and what are the plans? Do you have plans with the post? You're, you're doing, talking about using the tourism and management. Do you traveling? Yeah. You seem to have the wander the wanderlust. I do. Wanderlust. I do really... Yeah, the travel bug mm-hmm. or something whatever, like that. Whatever um, it is. Yeah. I, I really enjoy... Um, going to new places, mm-hmm. seeing new things, just getting new experiences. I find it so interesting. Um, I'm like one of those people who I took one trip to Mexico City when I was in <laughs> whatever. I think I was 20. Um, and now I can't shut up about it ever. And so mm. um, I just need to be able to get more experiences so my friends don't get 
really bored of my one trip, you mm. know? <laughs> um, but I just, I don't know. It was amazing to me to just be able to like be somewhere completely new. And like, and I think anthropology ties into that as well, because it's just, I find experiencing new cultures and like um, the history of places and all that kind of stuff is just so interesting to me. And like mm. um, just social norms and everything of that variety, I think is fascinating so um yeah i don't know i think i could find a good way to mesh the two together like anthropology and tourism even though they don't necessarily i think at first glance people are like those are really different majors like it's really strange um but there is like cultural tourism and that sort of thing and especially sustainability within cultural tourism i think is an important thing um because when you look at places in southeast asia or say hawaii even that sort of thing there's just been so much like cultural degradation because of the amount of tourism and the travel that comes through there from other people uh, um, and so i don't know i find it very very interesting um so i think i could maybe tie that together but again i'm not really trying to spend my whole career doing research so i don't know <laughs> yeah when you say cultural degradation you mean or is part of that because so many of the locals their livelihood depends on tourism so they they're morphing into they're selling trinkets or those sorts of things in some ways um yeah yeah it could be your local economy economy becomes uh, reliant on tourists coming through, which uh-huh. then, when you think about in a time like this, COVID and, <laughs> oh, no. and quarantine, a, a community who relies on tourism revenue is suddenly like, what do we do? Like, uh-huh. we don't have, our local economy has been halved, you know, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's just, it's being able to just support other areas and also it's just when you come in and you're just constantly getting new tourists in there and like they are i say americans have a a reputation of being not the most welcoming to outside cultures perhaps okay and even if they go to other places they could try to push their values on on places that they're visiting and it's like okay well if you go to a temple in India or something, you're expected to dress a certain way. And it's respecting that culture and not trying to push your own values onto that area. Um, I don't know. That's maybe a different topic, but I still think it's a, an interesting one to talk about, just like ethnocentrism and and Western centrism, that sort of thing. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. Do you think... <laughs> There's so much there. There is uh, a lot there. That's a, that's well, a deep bucket, deep hole. Well, not even just in the last bit, but... First off, do you, from your experience, having lived there, it was only four and a half months, but Mm -hmm. do you find that, do you find that reputation that Americans have to be true? Um, we joked earlier about, no offense, but not, not to, (laughs) not to offend, um, any of my American friends that are potentially listening. My bad. No, no, no. Because I've said this before to other people as well, where it is a little bit like it felt and I think it's Americans in general too. They just don't care about Canada a lot. Mm. <laughs> and so maybe that's where my experience comes from. Like I went down there and some of them didn't even know what British Columbia was. And I was like, <laughs> British Columbia is right above you and is not, not above Illinois, but above the States. And it's probably the size of two to three of your States. Like it's not a small piece of land. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, there was just so little knowledge about something that was so close to them mm-hmm. um and and especially in that area it was also a lot of 
there's a, it's, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but um, very central, centralized in, in their viewpoints and not a lot of outside viewpoints, you know, as far as um, economy, race, gender, any social issues, but also I think economic stuff as well. Like they're just, obviously, because they're surrounded by farmland, they're main livelihood is farming and so everything they do is like okay well how is this going to affect farmers and like, blah, blah, blah. and it's like okay well what about everybody else in the country too mm-hmm. and i don't obviously i don't know a ton about it i'm not trying to get super into to farm debates but <laughs> oh we're getting into farm debates. i happen to be somewhat of a farm expert oh yeah yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um and obviously farms are very important i'm not trying to say the farms aren't important but i just think there's a very one-dimensional um view of a lot of things in that area Hmm. you have to think and not even just that area i think in other areas too people in cities are like well we need to care about social justice issues about everything else like um but it's just like okay well there is also you have to think about people making their livelihood in farmland Mm. and that sort of thing i'm glad you said that yeah (laughs) i'm not trying to be just like left left lady over here you know i'm talking about like left leaning woman left lady (laughs) yeah um because i I do think I see both sides a lot mm. because of my experience down there. I think I can understand where they're coming from, but I also understand where people more on the left are coming from, um, especially in regards to like social justice issues and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's I'm always very conflicted when it comes to <laughs> to politics, as we're going to bring it back there. But I just think it's difficult to to balance out the two and make everybody happy. I think it's impossible to make everybody happy. Absolutely, um, it is. But it's too bad because I just want everyone to be happy. <laughs> no, everybody love everybody. Yeah. Does does having a conversation about politics, especially a public like, like in this medium, scare you? Um, a little bit Me because too. Me yeah, too. I think it's very very it's, uh, easy to be. I don't want to. I don't want to be like, oh, everybody's canceled nowadays. I feel like that's what everyone talks about. It's just canceling and whatever, but. I think a lot of times people just leap to, uh-huh. to oh, I heard this one thing from this one person. They're an awful person. Uh-huh. Cancel them. Eh, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I really I listened to like one of the other podcasts I listened to. Not to take attention away from this one. No, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but they brought in, um, it was called Girls Gotta Eat, and they brought in <laughs> Jamila Jamil. Um, do you know who that, that is? is? No, I don't. She's an actress. Okay. She's British. Um, and before I like, I, she's on The Good Place and I watched The Good Place and I love The Good Place. It's so funny. Is she, I just started watching that. She's Tahani. Tahani. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask if she was Tahani. Okay. But yeah. Sorry. Continue. Um, and so I didn't know a ton about her. I knew she was kind of into activism. I didn't really follow her or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she came on that podcast and she just said so many things that I feel like I related to so much where it was like talking about, okay, well this is a potential ally. And so they've said one thing wrong and well, why are you like instead of canceling them and then driving them further away uh-huh. because they said one thing wrong here or maybe they're just a little miseducated about something like try to you know say to them like or try to educate them and then you've gained an ally instead of driving one away that sort of thing um yeah i don't know I, that really spoke to me a lot because i feel like a lot of people are just so quick to be like no you said this one bad thing five years ago mm. and now you're an awful person and mm-hmm. yada 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 we're gonna bully you online like <laughs> yeah there's a lot of bullying and i think there needs to be room for redemption too yeah um, definitely because people do change and if you 
if you judge me by myself five years ago, I wouldn't be very happy. And if in 10 Definitely. years you judge me by today, I'm also not going to be very happy. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I also, I got a, one thing I do think is ah, mumbling over here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like not to criticize you for, but I think the word, when you say, Oh, educate them. Yeah. I think it implies that it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't imply the truth's on your side. Especially okay. in a lot of these things. Like people use that a lot. People will say, educate, yeah. educate these people. Like, oh, educate them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't fight with them. Educate them. Mm-hmm. But doesn't that kind of preclude conversation? Like, like it, isn't it? It automatically assumes that your side is the right side. Yeah, right? that's fair. Yeah. And so I th- I think a lot of people a dominant view is that left wing people are open. Yeah. And conservative people are stubborn and stuck in their ways. Yeah. But if we really think about it, would a conservative person have any more luck convincing? a liberal person of their views than a liberal would have with a conservative? Probably not. No. Um, and it's difficult because it, I think when you talk about like which subject are you discussing, because I think as far as human rights and social justice issues go, I do think the left wins most arguments on that. And maybe that's a hot take, but... What do you mean um, by wins? Like they're right? Yeah. Okay. I think if you were to tally like fact check like who's right <laughs> i'm sorry but i do think as far as like human rights go generally i'm not saying i'm not saying democrats and republicans here in the states because i think there are human rights issues on both sides there okay Hot take maybe but <laughs> it's okay i welcome all yeah of um but just in general people who more lean towards the left that though people on the left side of the political spectrum or spectrum <laughs> mm-hmm. are more likely to support homosexual rights or sorry Mm -hmm. lgbtq in general not just homosexual but Mm -hmm. um and women's rights i think and race laws and i don't mean race laws but you know issues Mm -hmm. like blm and stuff Mm -hmm. um i think they are more likely to to recognize those issues and say yeah let's do something about it versus i think people on the right side of the spectrum are more like those issues don't exist Mm. versus like if you were actually in those positions a lot of the times like you listen to testimonies from you know people of color black people uh gender queer people that sort of thing i think a lot of them are saying no like these are issues like i don't know it's like it's a testimony from people and you have to say okay well if several people of this demographic are saying that they have issues then Mm -hmm. i think we need to listen to them and say, okay, tell us more about it. But I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of people on the right who are just, I don't believe you. And it's like a white person that are a white person from a white man, middle class or something like that, you know, where mm-hmm. they're just like, I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, what do you base that off of? Like, I don't know. These are personal testimonies on one side. And then it's you saying, I heard from somebody else that this is the case. Mm-hmm. But I don't, don't know. <laughs> don't you think that puts like, I, Speaking as someone who's going to be a middle-class white male, middle, yeah. a middle-aged middle-class white male someday, <laughs> um, doesn't that put me at a place where I can't really have an opinion or anything? Because it's I'm shut down instantly by people saying, you don't understand, you haven't experienced it. But I think you're allowed opinions about certain things, but say you're giving an opinion about my experience as a woman, <laughs> okay. you know? like. I think there are certain things where, I mean, you're welcome to have a discussion, but when it comes down to it, and I'm not one to be like, nobody's allowed to talk about this if you're not, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, you know, men are awful, men don't deserve opinions when it comes to anything. Like, you know, some people say that, and I don't agree with that. Um, Okay. But I think when it comes to like, women's rights over their own body, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. I think it's, I understand there's different 
reasons that people say things and people maybe that they are pro-life or like anti-choice that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um but ultimately if it's like no one's trying to take over like a man's bodily autonomy bodily autonomy you know Mm -hmm. and so it's like i don't know if someone was saying say circumcision or something men are mandatory they have to be circumcised and i'm the one saying yeah as a woman i'm being like yeah men have to be circumcised like that's something to do with your own body and I don't think I have a right to be telling you that you have to be circumcised. What about, do you have a right to tell, do you think we should pass a law that says no circumcision allowed? Um, that's Okay, it's not fair for me to always ask the question. So I'm going to answer this one first. Okay, yeah. Because it's not fair for me to put these hardball questions to you. (laughs) Um, No pressure. (laughs) I don't know. I, my inclination, I'm not an open person. Okay. Uh, so I don't tend to be, I don't tend to jump and latch onto new ideas right away. Yeah. But I, my inclination would be to say, no, that's not, you should have the freedom to, to, you should have the freedom to circumcise your child, especially if it has like religious, um, tradition, if it's if yeah. religious tradition. But at the same time, if you put an, an argument in front of me saying one in a hundred no, one in a thousand circumcised children get an infection and die. Yeah. Then I have this. That's pretty significant yeah it is i mean that's and also then you have the question about well what are you allowed to do to your this this is a person and you're changing their body yeah yeah i don't know i mean it's an impossible question to answer but yeah would you say that would you be in favor of a law against circumcision across the board um i would probably say yeah Mm. because i mean maybe once you're an adult you really want to be circumcised and i don't think most adults want to be circumcised i'm I'm not a man i can't say say you i don't know anything about you but say say, you don't know anything about me yeah (laughs) you know what i'm talking about i'm kidding say that you are not circumcised would you ever be like you know what i want to be circumcised let me go do it i'm a 23-year-old man, I'm going to go get circumcised. No, because it would... Have you seen... Did you watch Shameless ever? Yes. Remember the, what a character got... A character circumcises himself. Or he doesn't... He get, he goes to get the procedure, like... Oh, my God. I don't know if I watched that far. Anyways, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, that's a comedy. It's not real life. Yeah, 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 I bet you the incidents of adult circumcision are very low. Yeah. Because it hurts. But things are baby. But, like... A lot of things hurt when you're a baby. Yeah, but, like... <laughs> are you... Are um, we... Say it was a... Because it usually does stem from religion, I think, circumcision. Yeah, I It's think so. usually, I think it's Jewish. Don't call me on that. But Well, and also, I think Jewish slash Christian. Yeah. I don't know about Muslim. Yeah. So it's hard to say, and me coming from an anthropological perspective as well, being like, this is a religious thing and it's wrong, you know? Mm. Like, it's part of their religion. I can't be like, it's like when you go somewhere else and it's a cultural thing. But also you have to think about, again, human rights and think, mm. okay, there's all this uproar about female circumcision in Africa, you know, Mm. which is like, people are like, that's awful. Like there should be United Nations action against that versus it's like, okay, well, they're literally circumcising little baby boys in North America. And is it really, there is a difference, but is it really that much different? Oh, see, I'm totally against, because (laughs) <laughs> I, I haven't heard it as female circumcision. I've heard it as genital mutilation. Yeah, sorry. I, that was a not maybe the correct term for me to use. No, but, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm um, not. I'm not gonna shame you for. I just think <laughs> I'm. I think there the difference there is the intent. Like the intent is mm-hmm. to to stop the woman from experiencing an orgasm, isn't it? 
Um, or, I th- I think so. Which is awful. Yeah. And and horrible. But when <laughs> <laughs> and awful brutal. And terrible. And, yeah. Yeah. Adjective here. Yeah, but doesn't circumcision in men also reduce sensitivity? Oh, I think I think that's the yeah. I think that's and maybe the, the the whole point of it isn't to because obviously it doesn't prevent orgasm, but no. it still I don't know it prevents some sort of sexual whatever in men, mm. um, and so I don't know it's it's strange to me to be like oh yeah it's okay for me to just cut off part of my baby's genitals yeah I, you I know mean, it could it's, be <laughs> it's I think it's probably gonna go that way and I think. I mean, obviously right now we have bigger fish to fry, mm-hmm. um, a lot of stuff going on, but mm-hmm. I can see a time when it gets to the point where people are calling for a ban of circumcision. Yeah. And I think there's going to be some major opposition to that. Yeah. Um, especially in the States, which I wouldn't yeah. expect anything different. Cause I, I actually, this is probably, I mean, this isn't a very popular opinion, but I'm super in favor of the state's emphasis on freedom, personal individual freedom. Okay. Yeah. And I, it does ultimately... They're just, you kind of have to have that go at loggerheads with um, rights. Like, yeah. Because everyone's, your right is my responsibility. Okay. So like if you have a right, oh, I, I shouldn't, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a long explanation, but. But I also feel like with what you're saying there, um, I also, like I want to have freedom me. to myself. Um, yeah. Um, to control my actions and mm-hmm. whatever. But I think there's a lot of hypocrisy in the States with the definition of freedom because people who you hear yelling Freedom, freedom, I have, you know, America, go freedom, whatever. That was poorly articulated. But I've heard that chant before. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that specific one. Yeah. Um, those are tend to be the people who also, not to make generalizations, but I don't hear um, a lot of LGBTQ people being like, I love America and I love my freedom, you know? That's coming from people who are more on the right generally, okay. who are trying to prevent the individual rights of other people in some ways pro you're talking about the abortion debate not just that but they don't want gay people to get married that sort of thing Ooh, yeah so it's like okay well if you are pro freedom and pro not having the government control your decisions why are you okay with the government preventing a man marrying a man or mm. something like that sure you know i think i'd like i would definitely have some a thing or two to say about someone in the states who was who consider themselves pro individual rights and anti uh, homosexual marriage. I would, I would yeah. very much have something to say to that yeah. person. Which was, I'd say um, you're philosophically inconsistent <laughs> man or woman, whatever you Literally, are. Literally. Um, and one time who, and I hate to agree with her to bring it up now, but I feel like it's appropriate. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tommy Lauren, Lauren, you know what I'm talking about? I don't, but you probably, she's the blonde Barbie looking chick. Um, she's like a news anchor or not a news anchor, but she reports, She's largely Republican. Okay, is she on Fox? That sort of thing. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know either. She used to be like an, on an independent network, I think. But a lot of people know who she is now. But she's very, very like pro-Trump. I'm a Republican. Very in your face. But mm-hmm. one thing that really stuck out to me about her one time, because for the most times I really don't agree with what she has to say, um, but she was talking about like abortion and like choice and stuff. And she was saying like, um, something along the lines of like, okay, well, I'm, I don't support the government coming and taking my guns. Like I don't support them controlling my, my ownership of guns. Why would I support them controlling ownership of my body? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, okay, if you're advocating for minimal government interference, why are you then saying, oh yeah, it's okay for the government to control half the population's bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. 
which is, there's obviously a little bit more to it, but I think it's when you're on that side, there is some hypocrisy saying like freedom, 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 but let's limit rights of women. Let's limit rights of gay people. Let's limit rights of not necessarily, I don't know, of generalized minorities and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know, it's very much like freedom as long as you are the type of person that I am willing to associate with. (laughs) Yeah. A lot was said there too. Yeah. Um, That was a bit of a rant. No, no, no. It's good. It's good, 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 actually. I was also, I guess all I was going to say was I think the abortion one is so charged because people seem, I think that's the issue most of all that people have, have strong, because there's probably tons of people who've had abortions mm-hmm. that they don't tell anyone about. Definitely, so it's really yeah. scary to, to talk about it because who, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a landmine, right? You never yeah. know the person who's had an abortion yeah. who is, would, will go home and should be a, totally obliterated for that night or that week or whatever, just because it's brought up again. Yeah. Um, and it's not like an emotionally easy thing for a lot of women. Oh, it's like, extremely, it would be extremely difficult. Exactly. It's uh-huh. nobody goes in and says, oh, you know what? I, as much as I would love to have this baby, I want a little more free time to myself and I'm just going <laughs> to kill this baby. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's not even what it is. It's not baby killing. All people are like, stop the baby killing. But it's like, that's not what it is. Like it's at that point, it's, I don't, I don't want to get into the semantics of it, but I don't know. I think it's not a, an easy decision for any woman who is making it. And it's, you know, anybody who is ready and really wants that baby isn't getting rid of it. It's usually an accident or it's usually, not usually, but sometimes it's a case of, of rape or just something's wrong with the baby, that sort of thing. Like, it's, it's not just like, oh, I was being stupid and irresponsible and now I'm pregnant. Sometimes it is, but... I mean, even in that case, I I shouldn't be forced to have a child in my body for nine months. Here's the thing. Do you think the problem with the argument is people who are pro-choice are coming from a rights to my body perspective, mm-hmm. and the people who are pro-life are coming from a don't kill humans perspective? Yeah. And the problem is they they differ when they decide what a life is, and then once you... Once you say it's not a life, and I say it is a life, or not like me, but where do not, you go from there? Yeah, you can't go. You can't go anywhere from there because yeah, obviously if it, if it if we could all agree that it's not a life, there's no there's no debate, mm-hmm. and if we could all agree that it was a life, yeah, there's maybe still a debate, but there's probably not as much of a debate. Yeah, so it's just a difficult one, especially when people. I think in, in this current political climate, I'm sure if I was alive 30 years ago, 50 years ago, I'm sure it waffles back and forth all the time. Yeah. Actually, no, this is a relatively new technology. Anyways, <laughs> um, I, I just feel like there's not a lot of sympathy for people who decide that it's a life. Yeah, just because I don't think there's any... Evidence? Scientific evidence that it is. A lot of people who are saying, like, it's life, con- at, life at conception, it's... And I don't, I can't cite this, but I am fairly sure Citing that... Citing only. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fairly sure that it is largely a religious viewpoint saying it's life at conception. Mm. Um, and because there's, I don't believe there's any scientific evidence to say that life begins at conception. Um, and so it's like, okay, well then, then you get to the topic of um, keeping religion out of government like Uh separation of church and state why are we making you know laws Uh that affect everybody based off of a christian viewpoint 
that life begins at conception. You know? I understand. Yeah. And so that's also difficult because, I mean, if there was hard scientific evidence saying life begins at conception, if you have an abortion at 12, 15 weeks, you are killing somebody. I think there might be some different viewpoints potentially, Mm -hmm. but because it's not proven that there is life at conception, it's hard to be like, I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying, kind of? Yeah, I do. I do. I think, but based on what you just said, I assume then that you wouldn't be in favor of abortion past like, you, you, would you would you have a, a some sort of date arbitrarily? Um, yeah, like, I mean, sure. there largely already there is laws against it. Once you get, especially, I think the third trimester. Uh-huh. What's that? Three months? No, that's six months. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's past like twenty four weeks or something like that. Uh, I um, do math. <laughs> but I'm I'm trying to think of something I read recently where it is like past twenty four weeks, abortions for the most part are banned you can't get an abortion past 24 weeks unless it's medically necessary like if Mm -hmm. it's the child is going to have a severely low quality of life like they might survive for five minutes after they leave the womb and then die that sort of thing Mm -hmm. or or the mother yeah or Mm -hmm. if it's like very risky to the mother to continue the pregnancy that's when usually an abortion happens at that point nobody goes 24 weeks into a pregnancy and then suddenly decides oh never mind I don't want this baby. Yeah, generally speaking, I think yeah. that's probably not the case. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things where I always... That's one of the issues where I can't decide for myself. Like, I can't reason myself to an answer. Yeah. You know, like, I have trouble... Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... That's what you said earlier about political science being complicated. Yeah. Yeah, just exceedingly complicated. Complicated. In a lot of these things. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a political opinion that I'm firm on. Yeah. That I can back up. Yeah. Um, I can't. It's hard to... Do you have any of those? That you're firm on? Well, like, because I could... Um, I mean, I I spend a lot of my time pushing back on other people's conceptions. I don't spend a lot of time taking a firm stance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's hard because when I think about... I mean, we've spent most of this time talking about, like, social justice stuff, which when you think about it is kind of political issue but like it shouldn't be it's like a human rights issue when you really think about it and so it's like well why is that based off of who's getting voted into office um but i don't know so i'm removing social justice from it because we've been talking about that quite a bit (laughs) okay um i don't know if i have like i'm i feel like i'm not super duper educated on um like economic stances or uh i'm definitely more interested in like um environmental and like climate aware stances that some politicians take, but um, I feel like economics is a huge one that I would like to be more educated on, I think, Mm -hmm. because it does have a a huge effect. I feel like a lot of my knowledge I get from economics is largely like secondhand knowledge. Like I hear it from somebody else talking about it versus Mm -hmm. like reading up on it myself, which is because it's dry. Yeah. I don't want (laughs) to read about economics. But the thing is I I'm absolutely in agreement. I think mm-hmm. that it's crucial, and I think it's. I think a lot of people who are conservative or libertarian mm-hmm. are very economics based. Yeah, and I think there's a really good argument to be made for a lot of the rights cost money. I think that's the thing. A lot of like the the argument against social justice measures, mm-hmm. and not all of them, but a measure like, like in the states, Bernie Sanders want when he was running the second or whatever millionth time, <laughs> he wanted to forgive all student debt. 
Yeah, which is attractive to me as someone with student debt. Yeah, well, but... I mean, of course it is. Like, it's attractive to anyone who's compassion, who has a, who has kids with student debt, mm-hmm. who has friends with student debt, or is a student with student debt. So yeah. basically, you're playing on the compassion. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to give everyone health care. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple other things. But those two alone, what does that cost? How much debt are you accruing? And at what point in the future will the interest on that debt be so high that you have to start repealing all those rights you've just granted? Yeah, but also I feel like if we're talking America right now, like the USA, the amount, the <laughs> amount of you USA, yeah. um, the amount of debt that they are already in is astronomical. True, but you, you, that means you gotta like, go the other way, doesn't it? I guess, but I'm just like, well, that's so. It's hard to. They're in the trillions at this point, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even further. I can't remember, but it's just like at that point, are you really? let's not forgive people of their student debt because it's going to put our country into more debt. And it's like, okay, well, that might put you in debt maybe a couple more. Trillion? Maybe, well, not trillion, I'm thinking, <laughs> but maybe, maybe uh, I mean, America, it's hard to say. Okay, let's well, say like a, a billion, a couple billion. But really, when you're thinking about trillions at that point, a billion is like a drop in the bucket. That's nothing. How many people in the States think have student debt? How many are in there? There's like 300 million or something like that? 400? I don't know. I think it's like between 350 and 400 million in the States. Yeah. I think, say there's 30 million students in debt. Mm-hmm. And say the average debt is $10,000. Is that high? That's very low. 10,000? Yeah. Especially okay. in the States? Average debt's 40,000. Okay. I think that's still on the low end, but I'll take it. So what is that? What's 30 million times 40,000? 12, 1.2 billion? Or 1.2 million? I don't know. I also think 30 million is probably a low ball. As far as like students with that, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's also you have to think like there's probably still forty year olds who are paying off their student debt in the states oh, and more and, and older. Yeah, so you're thinking students from the past thirty years. Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking at at least I would say half. Just to guess, you could probably Google it, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, first I'm like, of all, I, what I want to know, I'm going to look up. Okay, I'm going to look up what. What the? I'm gonna do some. I, I I'm ashamed to admit I can't um, multiply <laughs> like I should be able to. So what? Say there's 50 million students. 50. Should we go with that? I think that's low still. Okay, we'll start with well, that. What, okay. 50 million students times fifty thousand dollars. Sure. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> What's okay, the there's number? a million. Yeah, I think it would be. What's this number? That's okay. I don't know how many. I don't know that's what that 100, is. That's 100,000. That's. Wait. 100,000. That's a million. Uh, yeah. So about 2.5 billion? I think that's what that number is. 100,000. 100 million. I think it's either 2.5 billion or 2.5 trillion. <laughs> um, but it could be 2.5 billion. Uh, I think two point. Any, in any case, <laughs> that's, you guys, that's a different podcast for doing math. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I could have just spewed a lot of BS just now, so who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I don't think just forgiving student debt, especially if we're talking about our our country, the mm-hmm. one we actually live in, Canada. Canada. Um, our economy isn't quite as large as no. the, as the states, and so I think that's a. It's hard to say whether it's less or more realistic because we also have way less people mm-hmm. and so therefore less people with student debt than the States has. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know, but I also think it would be nice to to have more grants versus more loans. Um, so you still get money, but I don't know. So you still have money to pay back as well, but you also just have less to pay back because it's, especially nowadays, I think it's largely expected for a lot of people to have degrees, but then it's also like, okay, not everybody can afford to pay themselves through university and their parents can't afford to put themselves in university. So it's just like, um, if you expect someone to have a degree or expect, I don't know, a lot of workers to have a degree and then you are also expecting them all to take out loans. And then it's just like, a lot of people are starting their, their careers, starting their lives, like in the red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe we just need to change our, our societal expectations. (laughs) Well, it's going to change anyway. Um, because already the university degree is becoming a bog, I wouldn't say bogus, but it's like, Mm-hmm. You're not excellent if you have a degree. Yeah, you're average. <laughs> yeah, um, I wouldn't say average. I, I I still think the amount of people who hold degrees in Canada is probably under 40%. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't know, but yeah. I, I would suspect so. Even thinking... Yeah, I, people I think like I, that we graduated with that went to university versus those who didn't. Yeah, there was lots who didn't. Yeah, we also came from a relatively privileged area too. So when you're thinking about maybe areas in Nanaimo that were less privileged, like high schools that were in less privileged areas that, mm-hmm. you know, how many of them went to university versus how many of them just entered the workforce or mm-hmm. got into a trade, which is honestly not to talk bad about trades at all, because I think for a lot of people, that's a great option. Well, there's, um, there's lots of great options that you want yeah, to do for. Yeah, totally. I, I just don't see, I just don't see a way, like, I, I, I'm sympathetic with the argument of, oh, our parents' generation had it this good, so we need to have it this good and better. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but eventually when your expectations get so high of like, we need free healthcare, free school, <laughs> like we have all these grandiose ideas, but it's like, ultimately, what if we're not, what if our economy is not as booming relative to the rest of the world as it was 40 years ago, 20 Which, years ago? Yeah, it's like, I, I don't think it is. It's not. And yeah. that's the thing is like, ultimately, <laughs> I think a lot of the conversation between the right and left wings politics come between ideals and realities i was literally thinking like idealism and like just idealistic ways of thinking Mm -hmm. because i think i mean both sides to a degree but i think especially people on the left are like okay they have this very idealistic image of how they want things to be Mm -hmm. um and it's very progressive and it's very okay we can achieve this and this and this and this and it's like okay but how are we going to do that (laughs) realistically like feasibly what is the plan Mm -hmm. to do this yeah and it's hard to then back it up sometimes in a in a realistic step-by-step plan. Yeah, and oftentimes the people who have the most grandiose ideas have the least concrete plans. Um, <laughs> That's true. And I'm not talking like personal... I'm not talking individuals. I'm talking... Well, I, I'm... It's rare... I've listened to a couple debates. I haven't listened to debates like 20 years from... Or in the past, but mm-hmm. it's rare that you hear anyone respond to a question that says specifically... What do you, what's your plan or what's your stance on this? Like yeah. detail me what you're going to do for this. It's always circling back to these like broad stances. And a lot of it is just, okay, we need to change this person's mind or like yeah. educate people in general to, to, you know, yeah, and that's the thing education, but, um, and it's always, yeah. we need to, ch- it's that, the classic thing. We need to start with that changing people's minds and it'll change from there. Really? <laughs> Cause in some cases, yes. In yeah. some issues, yes. But in some issues, that's not really. And some people just aren't going to change their minds. Mm. Like you could talk and talk and talk until, what's that old saying? Talk until you go blue in the face, that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and some people just 
just not going to change their mind about it. Yeah. And it, it stems from a lot of different things, like um, just maybe what their parents told them when they were children growing up. And mm-hmm. I think some people, you're capable of change mm-hmm. sometimes, depends on the way that you are wired in your mm-hmm. brain as well. Um, but a lot of people just know this is how I was raised and this is what I'm going to believe until the day I die, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I don't know where I was going with that. But. Well, <laughs> well, some people don't have the time. Like if you're, um, if you're, well, hypothesize a family, mm-hmm. two parents, three kids, both parents work 40 hours a week and mm-hmm. they have three kids and say they don't have any family around. Those people don't have time to be up to date on the, the newest politics. They're just living their little, they're living their, their blinders on, yeah. living their day to day, enjoying their family, doing their thing. And I think those are the kind of people it's unrealistic to expect them to be, yeah, changing. I think what you said is, is probably right. Hard to expect those people to change their minds. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, I suspect, did you take crim courses? No, I actually didn't. That was one subject that I never took. Did Sabrina? Yeah, she took oh, a bunch. Yeah. A good friend of Amanda's. Um, just <laughs> for, FYI. For our listeners who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> for all the, yeah, anyways, all the outsider NIMO listeners. Um, I was going to say, because one thing that this, ha- I mean, maybe you are tired of political, but crime okay, is something where a lot of people will say things like we need, we need to have better methods of what's, what's the word for when you turn people around? Like rehabilitation. <laughs> rehabilitation. Thank you. We need to have better rehabilitation methods, less punitive, more supportive. Yeah. But I think that's sort of predicated on this idea that eventually you can have a population that's just turned un- non-violent and non-criminal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's one area where, again, it's just you brush up against people who are like seeing the good in people mm-hmm. and being compassionate versus yeah. ultimately we got to have cr- criminals or people who are likely to commit crime off the streets. Yeah. And the, but then it's, you have to think too, like, well, what, what makes a criminal? You know, mm-hmm. like, why are they like that? Is it because of their socioeconomic situation Mm -hmm. is it because of uh their brain is it something that's inside of them or is it something is it basically is it internal or external yeah there's an external factor you can try to rehabilitate them sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just too ingrained in them at that point and then Mm -hmm. it's hard but i i am think i am someone who tends to think that most people aren't like there's no just good and bad, you know? Like, it's not, okay, that's a bad person. Everyone's a combination. Yeah, like, I think, with the exception of a few people, like, okay, that... But I think almost everybody has some sort of redeeming quality in them. Um, but Or the potential to be redeemed. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Like, um, but then it's also just, at what point does it become, like, too much bad has been done. I'm kind of, right now I'm thinking of, I just watched Narcos recently. <laughs> I've never watched it. Really, no. it was really good. Um, but just like in general, like Pablo Escobar, he loved his family. He took great care of his wife and his kids, mm-hmm. but he murdered <laughs> so many people. Yeah. And he dealt drugs to so many people. And, mm-hmm. and just the profit he made from murder and drug dealing is what insane. Like he was the richest man in the world at one point, I think maybe, or up there at least. Yeah. Was that, Cha- um, is that El Chapo? No, that Pablo totally Escobar. Different? Okay. I don't know. Uh, someone I'm... else. El Chapo, I think was from Mexico. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, uh, but I haven't watched uh, Narcos Mexico yet, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so I, when I was watching that, it was just so interesting to see just 
someone who is largely remembered as like this infamous figure, mm-hmm. but he had he had a family that he took with him everywhere. It was like his mom and his wife and his kids and mm-hmm. whatever. And in their eyes, they were like, no, like I love him. And, and maybe that's partially because of the way they're raised. Obviously like his kids are, his kids are going to love him. Probably they were too young at the time to even have their own opinion. I think, mm-hmm. um, but like his wife, she was aware of everything he was doing. She was aware that he was murdering people. And wow. is, is she, is there something wrong with her or is just the way she was raised? And now she's like, this man's taking care of me. And this is just the climate that I was grew up in myself. And she's like, as much as like, he's hurting other people. Like ultimately, um, it's fine. You know, I'm like, that's crazy. You know, it's just like so interesting to just understand people make decisions that they do. And I don't know, with Pablo Escobar, it's hard to be like, I don't know. He's completely bad because there are people who saw him not as bad mm-hmm. you know yeah interesting yeah and the, a lot of historical figures i think are like that where it's just so easy to be like evil like you're evil you're awful mm-hmm. and i think we've also been like kind of raised that way to see people like that through like a lot of our movies like you know disney movies as a kid yeah okay this is the perfect pure heroine protagonist and then there's like the bad guy who's like pure evil and like awful and there's no redeeming qualities in them but it's like okay that's that's not really how <laughs> it works in the real world it's not but, but it's I, simple it's easy to yeah. it's easy to get your head around in an hour and a half because you don't have to make you don't have to change your mind about people you can kind of make a snap decision in the movie it's like you're pretty depending on how the music is when that person <laughs> walks in the room you're pretty sure they're not good yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i see that yeah but then also thinking about like um oh where was i going with this I can't remember. Go on. Um, we were talking about crime. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, Kate, you don't know where you're going. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say, but it might come back to me. I agree that it's crazy to think about how someone could get their, themselves in that mess and then accept it. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things where it's like degrees, maybe. Like you're, maybe it didn't start that way. Maybe it started with like shaking people down when they didn't buy drugs off you. Yeah. Or, or when, you know what I mean? And it starts slowly ramps up and up and up and you... Every time you concede, then your real your new baseline is that con- that concession. Yeah. And then you can make one more concession, one more concession. Yeah. Um, so that would be my suspicion about how that came or a situation like that comes about. But in terms of, yeah, I guess I agree that it's tough if someone's born into a a, a situation. I mean, the the a classic situation lately that comes to mind is if you're born into a neighborhood. If you're drawn into a black gang neighborhood mm-hmm. and your parents, uncles, whatever, do, multiple uncles, <laughs> are dealing drugs, involved in gangs, yeah, you don't have the same shot at not being in a life of crime as someone who's born out of it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, how far can you go with the understanding? Because ultimately, people have to know there's consequences. Like ultimately, at yeah. some point, we have to stop it at personal responsibility. Don't we? Yeah. Like, but I mean, it's. I think it's also easier said than done to just leave that lifestyle behind than to i don't know like there's so many other factors involved in it like especially you say you've your whole family has been involved in in crime and drug dealing and whatever and you've known that since you were a kid and you've been active and like a participant in it since you were maybe 13 14 Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you are in your 20s and you're like okay like i can understand that maybe this isn't what i want but at that point like all of your connections are within that world and your money is rooted within that world. And it's just, I think 
it would just be intimidating and and in some ways very very difficult to just be like okay i'm actually gonna (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm gonna change my whole life around and go do this because at that point too you might have a criminal record um you've probably been arrested a couple times Mm -hmm. if you've been you know it's been a decade of crime and dealing drugs like Mm -hmm. likely you've been arrested at least once Mm -hmm. um and so and that's the whole thing with like the rehabilitation so you can maybe even rehabilitate that person but then they have a criminal record and is it's difficult to find a job with a criminal record sometimes a lot of places see oh criminal record i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna touch that that's a risk on my business to hire you Mm -hmm. and so it's i think it's very much easier said than done to just be like it's personal responsibility. You can turn it around because I think there's a lot of, of bias and discrimination towards people who might come from that background. Yeah. See, I, and here's what the complication thing, because I agree with everything you said, uh-huh. but I'm, I didn't, I wasn't persuaded that like, what would, if you had a magic wand Okay. and you, or our staff, if you're a Gandalf <laughs> fan, which I am, okay. um, and you could, and you had the power. Uh-huh. And you were like, okay, Amanda, what, how are you, like, what can we do? What's better? Mm-hmm. I just don't see, it's sort of like, if someone's addicted to something, mm-hmm. you can try to have, like, compassionate help from the outside, but ultimately, you can't change that person. It's that they has can to come change from that them. person. Yeah. So, I think that the same sort of thing applies. Like, it's behavior. It all comes down to behavior. Mm-hmm. And if the, you can't, we can't, there's not, there's, we can set up a system to help which I think we have to. We have, it's absolutely on our responsibility to set up a system that would help it. Totally. But it's hard to, to say, like when I, when I push that reasoning, like when I say, okay, well, we have to understand that they have a tough, tough time with it. I just can't decide what needs to be done about that. Like what yeah. specific concrete things can we do to help? I don't know. Maybe this, we, none of, neither of us have any policy making background, <laughs> so why don't we leave that one alone? Yeah, it's a, it's we're talking a lot of hard decisions, hard topics tonight. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but that's fun to do that though. Yeah, for me, it's good to like, I think talk about it and like hear other people's opinions and and I think that's something that's pretty taboo nowadays is actually being able to to discuss two sides of things because mm-hmm. I I agree to I agree to a certain point that um, arguments can be offensive and like if I was I'm. I identify myself as like a straight woman. And so I'm not like, you know, I also identify you that way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but me and you arguing about, not arguing about, but like just discussing, uh, LGBTQ like rights in the community. Like I, I think we both believe it. everyone deserves rights for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just, but I think it's difficult if we were in different positions, say, I didn't believe in it and you did, and you were a gay man. And then, so then, I, I think that's very hard for you to then be like, oh, we can have a civil discussion about this. Like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, then it's your rights that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is everything about me and you hate it and you don't want me to have rights. I think it's super hard then to have just like a civil discussion about it. Mm-hmm. We're of two like kind of neutral parties. So it's just like, okay, yeah, we can have a, a nice chill discussion and not get too heated. But we also don't have a ton of skin in the game, if you know what I mean. Well, one thing, one thing, one game that I do have skin in is religion. Okay. Yeah. And I think that people underestimate the degree to which 
religion is a part of someone's identity and that's open. Yeah. Like that's an open criticism. It's common to, to make fun of people who are religious. Yeah. And it's common to say, it's common to, to say that they're, the only reason that someone would be religious would be because they're unintelligent. And I think how can, I, I, I don't know, I have a problem with the, the premise that questioning someone's, <clears throat> I mean, in some ways, I guess you could say that your gender is more fundamental to you than your religion. But I think people who are religious wouldn't say that. I think people who are religious say the most fundamental thing about them is their belief. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think religion's a tricky one, too, because they're... It is difficult. And I think in... I think the discussion really differs in North America, largely because... I mean, it depends on what religion someone is, Mm -hmm. but... um, Someone who comes from any, like, strain of Christianity or Catholicism in in North America, I don't think you're being discriminated against. Even I mean, I understand you might, people might make jokes about it, you might not enjoy it, and so you'd be like, okay, no thanks. But none of your rights are being taken away because you're a Christian, in, in North America at least. Okay. Versus, like, and now it looks like LGBTQ plus rights are, like, they've become more normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still people who don't agree with it. And they say, okay, I, just because you're, you like someone of the same gender or you're open to people of multiple genders or because you were born as a woman and now you're a man, you don't deserve rights. Nobody's really saying that about Christians because you believe in God. I don't think you should be able to vote or get married. <laughs> it's increasingly, it's increasingly a mainstream opinion that people who are religious shouldn't be able to run for office. Really? I mean, that's not... I think I what I read recently was there was some... It was like a quote or something, and it was just talking about, well, there have been... I think it was about the Supreme Court, and it said there have been nine Supreme Court justices that have been religious before. Why is it a wild concept to have nine who are atheistic? How many... What, how long... How I think long? right now there's about five or six or something like that, that are, out that, of nine. that are religious or atheist religious okay. especially with like amy coney barrett now coming in as a deeply religious woman who has and i don't think the issue comes necessarily with oh they're religious and they have certain beliefs it's when they are trying to like make their religion part of governmental policy mm-hmm. you know and so um i think that's mostly where the issue comes from like i don't i don't I understand. I I totally, I understand the premise of the argument that people who are religious, the the premise would be, you're going to make decisions, you're going to be biased based on your beliefs that that we don't think are shared by everyone else. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I get it. I do. I'm, I don't have much else to say about that. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a a podcast full of answers, questions and no (laughs) answers. Yeah. A lot of speculation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, again, like for me, I very much am just like, okay, you believe what you want, you do what you want as long as it doesn't restrict the rights of other people, mm-hmm. you know? And I think whether that be religion or sexuality or gender or whatever, like I'm just very much on the side of you do you, I'll do me. And mm-hmm. as long as what you're doing isn't harming or interfering with someone else's life in a, in a direct harmful way, mm-hmm. then why does it really matter? Like, you know? And I think that's, that's largely the the religious side of things it's because nobody cares that you're christian nobody cares that you believe in god great good for you you believe in god if you want to it's when 
it's when that belief and you know belief systems then try to control other people who don't believe the same thing Mm -hmm. do you agree with that i would identify politically like pretty like libertarian i think okay um in that can you define libertarian for me because i've heard that term a ton but i feel like i don't know the difference between like just left wing and like libertarian well i think supposedly libertarian is like super right wing really i think so (laughs) but as and i probably don't understand it i don't have a full understanding of it but basically like the the primary tenet is individual political and economic freedom so like Mm -hmm. the basically you want smaller government less it's hard because I, it's I on on the whole I don't think. Yeah, maybe it's just a, a bag of worms, but it's basically <laughs> I don't want government making a lot of the, I don't want government having a huge role in my life. Yeah, I want as much of it as possible to be like on an individual level. Everybody leaves everybody alone. Yeah, as you say. Yeah, and we try to not give our government too much power and control over us. Yeah, <laughs> the problem with that is. <laughs> People, we need to have some regulations. For example, corporations, we need to regulate their behavior in terms of environmental impact. So that libertarians yeah. have a hard time answering for, oh, well, you don't want regulations? Well, well the corporations can just go rape the planet then. You know, <laughs> those sorts of things. So every, there's yeah. no problems. Yeah. But I agree with what you say. I think everyone should leave people, ELE, everybody love everybody, everybody leave everybody alone. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of politics. I'm politics out. Yeah, that was a lot of politics. Yeah, I wonder what people... People probably turned off half an hour ago. <laughs> probably halfway through the abortion discussion. Oh, no! <laughs> that's a to- that's a hot... That's the hottest... Yeah. COVID's probably the hottest topic. But yeah. That's kind of everywhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I was just watching the... <laughs> I was just watching The Bachelorette on Tuesday. Were you? Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the first time that I have watched television where it was, like, acknowledged that... Like, COVID was acknowledged. Kinda, oh, they broke You the- know? Yeah, they were like, yeah, we dealt with this by doing... Because I watched the first episode. Like, it came out last week, but I watched it this week. Mm-hmm. And so they were talking about, oh, yeah, like, we just shut everything down and people quarantined and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I don't want to watch this right yeah. now. Like, <laughs> I want escape from COVID. Yeah. I don't want more COVID. Let me pretend that this doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard um, Brennan and Zach were on and... I think it was Brendan who said he'd watch TV and he'd be it'd be a crowd and he'd be like, "No, wear a mask, socially distance." <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's a, it's heard definitely that from a few people. Yeah. It's an impulse now, but I I think it'll be gone quick. Quick? Well, not COVID, but oh, okay. once COVID, once this whole thing resolves itself, when if when it does, we yeah. we're not gonna remember it. You know, because I I did listen to that episode and I was thinking as you guys were talking about that, um, I was thinking. I think it's going to change things for a while. But then I looked back and I was like, well, after like the black plague, did people still stay away from each other and wear masks everywhere they went? Like, obviously it's been like a few hundred years since then. But go to Europe. No one's, (laughs) no one, I mean, before COVID. Yeah. The same old, like people and how many, in terms of all, you're an anthropologist. Yeah. In terms of all of human history, how many scourges has humanity been through? And a lot of them have a higher death rate, and a lot of them have a higher... Or this, I mean, it's pretty contagious, but uh-huh. I'm sure there have been much worse pandemics. Yeah. I, mean, I can't... I can't... I'm not a, you know... What's an epidemiologist? I think so. I think that's <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't really tell you, but I definitely think it's... I mean, there's never been anything that has 
wiped out humanity. There have certainly been things that, like, decimated humanity, but not wiped them out completely. Fact check. Okay. <laughs> what? Okay, was Black Plague is probably the worst in Black Plague fatality rates. There's also smallpox was a big oh, one. Oh, true. Which was more recent. Yeah, and that, um, the percentage of indigenous populations, mm. like as, as a percent, mm. that's probably pretty... As an anthropology student, uh-huh. <laughs> that was another big discussion. <laughs> Holy crap. The Black Plague was had a... Guess the fatality rate. Okay, now that I said holy crap. I think it was like 50%, wasn't it, or something like that? Wow, you're, you're good. Because I, I think I knew that. It's 50 to 70%. <laughs> That's nuts. But you also think about, like, would it have that same death rate now? Mm, good point. I think it says that's the untreated death rate. Yeah. So if it didn't, if you didn't, if you just stayed in your house. Yeah. Thinking about, like, hygiene practices and modern medicine. Is the Black Plague going to be as dangerous now no, as it was then? Definitely not. Yeah. Sometimes I... Let's see. Does it have any cases? Um, maybe this is going to be too... Oh, yeah, that's too much. Oh, one thing... <laughs> Dramatic foot shut up. Yeah, sorry. I thought, I thought I might have stopped the recording. Um, one thing I worry about a little bit is antibiotics. Because oh, they're saving us. Yeah. But what if... What if some, sometime... What if these ones become useless? Like what if the, all the fear of the medical system happens yeah. and suddenly there's this bacterial infection that we can't fight and it just mm-hmm. runs through the human population. Yeah. Pandemics That's... are going to be a big topic. Diseases are going to be a big topic in the next decade. I think so. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a couple documentaries in like, I think one of the anthropology courses I took was medical anthropology. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched a documentary in that class that discussed like super bugs um, and like they just, because people don't finish their runs in antibiotics or they're, given antibiotics when they don't need to be, mm-hmm. you know? And it's not yeah. actually, there's like, oh, quick fix. Here's your antibiotics, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just creates like bugs and bacteria that is like so resistant mm-hmm. to our current antibiotics. Like I think I read something that was like penicillin is just not nearly as effective as it used to be because mm-hmm. a lot of bugs are resistant to it now. And so it's like, okay, so then this bug that maybe it's like a flesh-eating bacteria or something and suddenly it doesn't respond to whatever now i just cut off my hand or something like that exactly like that's terrifying and that's the real yeah that's the real terrifying thing is when something when our medicine that we're so feel so safe in fails Mm -hmm. what's going to happen it's going to be and it's when you think about it we haven't even had antibiotics for like as we know them today for very long no like i believe it's been like less than a century I, i i read something wasn't it in like the 1930s yeah. That you're better off today than you were being a millionaire in the 1930s because millionaires still had no um, comeback for a bacterial infection. That's it's nuts. It is. And so when you think we've really just like bungled it that bad mm, in less already. than a century. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. And people always talk about, oh, as far as like environmental stuff, oh, like climate change. Oh, we have 50 years and then the planet's done for or something mm-hmm. like that. And then it's just like, okay, well, how much weight is behind that? And you look at like the last 50 to 100 years, and you're like, so much has changed since then. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, okay, like, I'm kind of scared for the next 50 years. Like, oh, I think we're kind of, maybe we've slightly even passed our peak, you know? Do you feel that way kind of? Where it's just yeah. like, maybe the glory days for economic and, and healthy, I don't know, like well-being or whatever was the 80s, 90s. I feel that way. And I think that's where politi- 
political theory and political history becomes interesting again because you think, okay, well, I'm sure at a certain point the Roman Empire thought it was going to last forever. I'm mm-hmm. sure at a certain point, and like you can go back in any like crazy, um, enduring empire always fell. Mm-hmm. Like there's never been an empire as less lasted. You think about like America as an empire. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of power that they had through the like later half of the was that the 20th century, 21st century. Uh, 20th century 20th century it's the 21st century now so yeah like the power that they had through like the later half of the the 20th century mm-hmm. that's a huge amount of power mm-hmm. and for quite an extended you know chunk of time yeah um and so it kind of feels like now maybe we're on the the downturn oh i think relative relative to the rest of the world north america's not on the way up <laughs> which is fine i mean yeah. every, everyone takes their every like Europe had its turn in the driver's seat for a while, and then oh, a few hundred years, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then America had a short duration, and then who knows what's next? But yeah, I mean, China. Mm-hmm. Could be that kind of but feels even, like, like the the default answer sometimes. It does, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. But not politically speaking, I think you're right. It it feels like we've unleashed this crazy thing with te- technological advancement. Mm-hmm. The idea that you can be educated for something that won't exist in six years. Like, yeah. I think uh, someone else, like, I never can tell who I, who said this, but someone was <laughs> talking for a lot of human history, you wouldn't see any technological advancement throughout your whole life. Like, for most of human yeah. history, the bar of technological um, progression was just flat. And yeah. then if you look at, like, if you look at it over 2,000 years, whatever. Um, yeah. And that's a scary thing. That's a, it's 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 unprecedented <laughs> that you people who are being who are training as a lawyer right now could be out of a out of a job in before their lifetime. Yeah, I think just like the changes that we've experienced since like whatever two decades ago plus a little bit. Yeah, that we've seen since then. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes I look back and I'm like that feels like a different life. In some ways, just like the technology that yeah. was available to me as a five, six, seven year old or whatever to what's available to me now. Yeah. It's just like crazy. Like the first iPhone came out when I was in, we were in like grade seven, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you, <laughs> I think I never had a phone until the end of beginning of high school. I think, I think in the last, yeah. my last year of grade school, I had a phone maybe or some that summer. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. what, like, what am I going to do now when I have kids? How am I going to, if everyone... <laughs> If I'm trying to hit the brakes on technology, yeah. yeah, and everyone around them and all their peers are on it, how yeah. what what's, what effect is it going to have on in alienating them from yeah. their peers? So I'm almost handcuffed into just letting them follow along. Yeah, I yeah I don't I know what you're talking about 100 percent because I've thought about it too. Where it's like, okay, if I have kids, mm-hmm. am I I really value memories from my childhood where I was you know out in the cul-de-sac playing with my friends. Mm-hmm. We were. Riding our bikes around, playing with chalk, that sort of thing. Classic. Chalk. Classic. For chalk. Early 2000s, yeah. <laughs> chalk. Um, which actually you don't see a ton of nowadays because a lot of it's whiteboard. But um, but I guess sidewalk chalk might be a little different. I don't know what the, the rate on sidewalk chalk is nowadays. It's okay. Uh, you continue. continue I'm sure the listeners are very interested. Um, <laughs> sidewalk chalk was a big... How, how do people play... Um, Hopscotch. Hopscotch now, mm-hmm. without, without chalk. I don't know. Anyways, what you're saying. Um, yeah, anyways. So, but then it's just like, even now, like, 
you go see other kids and they're just on their iPad mm-hmm. and all day. And I'm just like, oh, like, it just doesn't seem, I don't know. Like, as much as I love playing video games on my phone sometimes, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't play a lot of video games, but on my phone I do a little bit. Um, it's just, I don't know, like, it's fun, but I, don't, I just feel like I value my memories being outside and playing with my friends, like, face to face more than I would have valued just, I don't know, playing on an iPad all day. Mm-hmm. But I- when you think about, like, moving forward, if, like, you're talking about pandemics and, like, illnesses yeah maybe technology is the new future of like interaction oh please don't i don't want to i don't (laughs) i I honestly think this i don't want to live in a world where people spend any amount of time comparable or any any amount of time spent in a virtual reality is comparable to the time spent in reality reality yeah i just and maybe i'll be proven wrong by crazy um, what's that? Ready Player One? Have you seen? Other- I was literally thinking about that just now because I was like, that seems <clears throat> like really cool. Yeah, it does. And if, like, if, I would love that. And if there, if, there, if there's this tangible world and you have the sensations and if it's if it's seriously indistinguishable, mm-hmm. then we have a conversation on our hands. Yeah, and it's kind of also better sometimes. Like it's a cooler mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Like they go experience like the whole shining thing and they're in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like. It just seems so fun. But then you also think like, okay, but in the real world, they were in pretty dire circumstances, circumstances. Like they were living in a, like a moving box or something like that. Yeah. They were, it was just like cargo container. Slums. Yeah. It was just slums on slums. Which is like in the real world, they were very unhappy mm-hmm. and like not in good circumstances. But then in that virtual reality, it was like so cool mm-hmm. and like awesome. But everything also depended on that. So I don't know. Yeah. It's an... That's an interesting one. And then you think, what if in 30 years we hit the utopia? Like we crack the technological code. Everyone has food. Everyone has water. Mm-hmm. Everyone's free. Yeah. And then we get into VR. And then we have like 30,000 years of human civilization in, the, in this utopia where everyone just has unlimited VR time and you can make your own life and everyone's in heaven. Imagine being us living just on the cusp of that <laughs> spending our whole lives in this disappointing it's this like yeah it would be and yeah. it's sort of we're in this state of flux where it's nothing's for certain there's this widespread anxiety over you don't have the control over the trajectory of your life like you once did mm-hmm. and maybe this will be just the case now but you could also see another we could you could also see it reaching a point of stability again yeah you could it's so hard to predict. It what is. It's impossible. Would look like. I'm sure people want to hear what we think is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, these two people from Nanaimo. Uh, <laughs> have you seen um, Social Dilemma? I haven't yet. I have thought about watching it. I've been meaning to kind of. It really interested me when I saw the trailer, but I kind of just fell off after that. I was like, oh, I'll watch it. I just never did. So <laughs> The trailer, I didn't even watch the full trailer, but it was like they just started with the Google will show you different things. There's something about you can know that, but when you hear it with that scary music, yeah. suddenly you're like, oh my goodness, oh no. I'm gripped. I'm gripped and I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm also planning to watch it. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I've, this is probably the documentary I've talked about the most without having watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a conversation piece. Yeah. People are loving it. Yeah. I think I should watch it just for, I don't know, for educational purposes, but it also feels like, I don't know, I think it might be... A, I might have to delete everything after. Mm. I don't really want to do that. Yeah. I've thought about it for a while where it's like, okay, maybe I should 
get rid of some of my apps, but then it's just like, but I enjoy them. Do you? Or is it, if you were, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I'd never had Instagram and then I mm-hmm. got it. I made an account for this podcast because I wanted a, a convenient medium to have, to let people know when the episodes were updated. Yeah. And already it's like, oh, another social face to upkeep. Yeah. Like I only have Facebook Messenger and Instagram now. And and it's just, imagine, I can't imagine having, I'm sure the average person has like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. I have all that. I don't think I'll have Twitter, but. How do you not, like, don't you feel like everyone expects you to be available all the time? Um, I think for me, I just don't, I just don't care as much. Like, I think it, it really depends on the person. Like. Like, I'm pretty bad sometimes for opening something and forgetting to reply. Mm-hmm. Or, like, just even seeing something and being like, oh, I'll reply later. And then just, like, I see it again two, three hours later. I'm like, oh, my bad. <laughs> well, it's because it's a lot of work to reply to all those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I think it just depends on taking control of your own your own decisions in your life mm-hmm. in that aspect. Where it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm just not going to go on it for a little bit. Not to say I'm good at that. Like, I, I definitely am on social media and my phone in general more than I should be. But I'm also not, like... It's not something where I'm like, this is really detrimental to my life and I'm really affected my mental health in this way, if that made sense. But... I, I got I got the, the point. <laughs> it's just... Sometimes I just word things a little weird. We all um, do. But yeah, I don't know. I think in some ways I would benefit from from having fewer social media accounts um, and apps and platforms, but mm-hmm. um, it hasn't really reached a tipping point for me yet where I'm like, okay, like I need to, I need to downsize. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I, like I get different benefits out of all of them. Right now, probably I think Instagram is one where I like get the least joy out of, I would say. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, also Facebook in a way. But I think, I don't know, I think there's more like, like, I'm in more, like, groups on Facebook and stuff where then it's like, okay, this is, there's some interaction versus Instagram for me, such a recently has felt very, like, uh, surface level and just, okay, here's a picture, here's a picture. I can kind of keep up to date with, like, what people are doing, but I'm not, like, that, like, invested in it. Yeah, ultimately, who cares what people are doing? Yeah, and anybody who I really care about how they're doing, I probably have them on Facebook. Or call Or them I can call them, yes. Yeah. But I'm comparing apps, like... Or even, like, Snapchat. Like, I talk to people on mm-hmm. Snapchat, like, probably more than I text them, to be honest. And Oh, wow. A um, lot of people say that. Yeah. I sound like a grandpa saying, <laughs> a lot of people say that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's it, it feels not more accessible, but just, oh, I can send them a video. I can send them a picture. I can send them a text message over Snapchat. Mm-hmm. All, I can switch between them all super easily and super quickly. Yeah. And it just feels more... Um, I don't know, efficient in some ways mm. for me with Snapchat at least. And I can also like see stories on there and stuff too. Um, versus with the text, it's more like, okay, this is urgent. I need you to like see this right away. Yeah. Or I call them or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. Depending on how close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Facebook, especially the messenger component is the most practical. It's the most pragmatic. Like I'm on there. Definitely. To, yeah. I'm on there to make plans. Yeah. And lo- I think I underestimate how much plan making goes on a messenger. We made um, plans to be here today through on Messenger. Messenger. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, and I think part of me would want to get rid of it. Yeah. Because it's just an, like when I go to work and I leave my phone at home. Uh huh. 
there's this overwhelming sense of just like, like I can't, even if I wanted to, I couldn't reach for it. Yeah. And then it just allows you to like kind of concentrate rather yeah. than always knowing there's an option to reach into your pocket and be, and figure out who's wanting to get a hold of you. Definitely. Like if I'm doing homework, I always, I'll, I'm most productive when my, I'm in the living room mm-hmm. or the, at the dining room table or whatever. And my phone's in my room. That's when I'm most productive. Like no, what's the same? No bars hold or something like that. Whatever. No holds bar. No, and I don't hold even know. Something. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> but I think the reason that is because I'm too weak to do it on my own. I can, I'm not disciplined enough. Yeah. Like if I have my phone next to me, I'm not disciplined enough not to pick it up. And see it out of the corner of my eye. Every little, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's like it's the same thing. If I had, if I always had an endless bag of Maynards candy beside <laughs> me, I'd probably yeah. eat. 10,000 Maynards a day. Not yeah. 10,000, but maybe maybe 400. It's a world record. Yeah, it would be a world record. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like any yeah. sort of any sort of pleasure pleasure circuit thing like that. Mm. It's in un- the brain. Unlimited. Yeah. It's unlimited pleasure, basically, with the phone. I think it's muscle memory to a degree as well, too. Mm. Where it's just, yeah. okay, I can reach for it. Yeah. It feels supernatural. But yeah, it's also like, what's the, like dopamine. Yeah, that sort of thing. That's it just right. releases it. And you're like, oh, this is so exciting. And then you get like new new things every single minute you're like oh here's a new piece of media a new piece of content i can mm-hmm. just look at this oh, i'm super oh my god i have tiktok too oh no so, it's just that's the worst one for getting like time lost on but it's also the one that i probably enjoy the most because okay. it's just like so entertaining like it's just but then it's just like okay just videos so yeah literally just videos okay um that and, and twitter is also really entertaining but i find that tiktok is easier to get lost in because it's just okay oh this video is funny i'll just swipe again and you just keep and it's just an endless there's just an endless stream of videos that it'll give you yeah literally content so much content literally infinite yeah so it's just and then there it's also entertaining so it's just like okay yeah i'll just do another one yeah and then you're there for two hours you're like wait a minute <laughs> yeah i think the the problem also is being bored is when like when you're not occupied that's when you sort of work out your emotional shit mm-hmm. so like throughout the day you have little interactions that rub you the wrong way mm-hmm. and you kind of have to deal with them and, and like address them and then slot them away yeah and that sucks doing that no one likes to, to go through emotional memories so then i yeah. feel like when you're alone and you start to feel yourself turning your attention toward things that are bothering you mm-hmm. it's easier to just be like Kruh. yeah i think that's a big reason why people love the phones yeah it's a it's a way to distract yourself from what you need to get through and that's why they're so unhealthy is because then you when before in human history have we been able to never be bored ever yeah never yeah like like, i'm never bored sad literally and you think about just like what people probably used to accomplish Mm. in there oh i'm bored let's do something yeah and they might have read a book and that could have inspired them to do something else or they Mm -hmm. just took up a craft or something like that say, or they, they like, fixed their kitchen sink yeah or they, <laughs> i'm so bad with like procrastinating and i always say oh i don't have time to do this stuff but it's like if i took a full day off of my phone mm-hmm. i would probably get a lot done and i'm i'm sure there are people i bet the average person between the ages of 18 and 25 that their daily screen time is between an hour and four hours probably i'm tired that's all is it really yeah more than four hours a day? Yeah. Oh, Dobbs, of course you would get more stuff done if you didn't yeah, have a phone. I'm sorry. It's just... <laughs> I, 
I know. <laughs> That's I don't even have a good excuse. You can learn a language in, in like six months with four hours a day. I know. I need to put like a limit. Sorry, I'm going all over the place right it's now. It's all right. Um, I need to put a, a limit, I think, on my on my screen time. Like an actual like a, hard a, limit. Yeah. Because it doesn't always, it doesn't feel like I'm on my phone for five, six hours a day. But then my like thing pops up at like once a week and it's like, your weekly screen time. And it's like, was I really on my phone for five hours a day? So you're, you're getting like 40 hours a week screen time? Isn't that messed up? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, but here's the thing. I Sometimes I look and I'll be like, whoa, that's surprising. Uh-huh. Um, but it counts when I watch podcasts. Like I, I regularly listen to two-hour podcasts. Oh, that's true. Actually, I listen to a lot of podcasts. See, that's the thing. Does it count then? I'm pretty oh, sure it counts. Oh, I feel not as bad about it then. Okay, good, 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 good. Because I do listen to a decent, especially when I used to, like, when I was working, painting, mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts all day. Oh, that's great. For, for tasks like that, where yeah. it's literally just an automated, you've done your, like, you know your <laughs> yeah. brush stroke motion. Yeah. Um, I think podcasts are, like, the best thing totally. since sliced bread. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to, we should count the cliches. People yeah. can have, people can play a drinking game. Yeah. Listen to this and every time you, there's a cliche. Take a shot. Yeah. Not a shot. There's, uh, there's, there's quite a lot of cliches. Uh, <laughs> less than a, at this time stamp, probably enough that you'll survive. Yeah, true. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I think I, I've, if I'm taking one thing from this, it's that I should limit my screen time from this conversation yeah over this whole conversation here <laughs> the one thing i'm taking home is screen time. well i don't expect you to take anything home no i will um definitely i'm gonna ugh, what am i gonna do with my screen time i don't know <laughs> i i kind of want to not have an iphone this is the first time i've ever had an iphone mm. and i got it a year and a half ago or something on family plan yeah like we all went in together and we all got on the plan uh-huh. and yeah, it's too convenient, too easy, too big. I mean, first of all, these things have gotten crazy big. They're getting um, smaller again, I think. Good. They're uh, yeah, they're shrinking. But yeah, I I would almost an aspiration of mine for a long time is has been to get a flip phone again or some sort of phone that you can kind of text a bit if you need to, like be there at six. Yeah. Um, and then just call. Yeah. But the problem with that is I've grown dependent on maps. Yeah. I've grown dependent on Messenger. And I've grown yeah. dependent on Google searches. Oh my god, yeah. I think a lot of flip phones you could still Google search on, maybe, but... Yeah, but you, I'm talking the ones where you have, like, four letters for a key, and you have to type three times <laughs> to, to hit F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah. Yeah, no. You can get one of those, like, slide ones, you know, people used to have, where you, like, turn I to the side, and you that model. flip it open. So yeah. it has a little keyboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, you're right. I should find this. I should <laughs> find should. one of those. I never had one of those. I never, I think my first phone was a, a Blackberry. But those were nice though. You could do a Blackberry. True. I, my first phone was an LG Gossip and it was Blackberry style. Mm, LG so, Gossip. I know. It was funny because it was, LG stands for little, or at the time it was little girl. So <laughs> it was girl, a little yeah, girl yeah, yeah. gossip. That was my phone. I remember, yeah. The LG and LB used to be a big thing. Yeah. It was so funny. Like Not grade funny. eight, grade eight, grade nine. Funny to look back on, but oh, at the time. Yeah. You're Actually. Like, do you ever think, do you ever think that you're going to look back on, like, I mean, I think this all the time, but only when I have clear moments, but when I look back on what I'm, everything I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. what percentage of that will I condemn as a 35 year old? Probably like 80% of what I do. For you, really? Probably. I feel like I look at you as like somebody who, 
makes good decisions mostly. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate For me, it. I feel like I've made my fair share of questionable decisions. But even that, you might say that that's part of learning. Yeah. So even bad decisions could be good decisions in the long run of life. I guess so. Yeah. Like, I think I've done a lot of learning through trial. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. But Just trial or trial and error? Um, <laughs> that was a joke that was a joke no but trial and error for sure um i think i i haven't had like like significant errors in a lot of my stuff where mm-hmm. i haven't had like oh my god this is a really terrible consequence and i will never do this again mm-hmm. for me i mean there's decisions i've made where i was like uh yeah i didn't feel so great after and let's not do that in the future but mm-hmm. it nothing has ever been like okay that consequence was life-altering mm-hmm. and i will yeah i'll be forever changed because of it like there's just there's small lessons but there hasn't been like a okay i'm gonna be a completely different person because of this well i mean i've experienced things but they haven't been my own choices i think that's a good point i think in terms of parenting people overestimate the amount of mistakes you can make that are like that mm-hmm. like i think people think that there's ever under every rock there's a life-altering bad decision to be made. Yeah. But realistically, as long as you're not diving into the shallow end of a river or... <laughs> yeah. Or... Yeah, I mean... A river. Yeah. Or you're as long shallow as... Shallow end of a river. <laughs> oh, shit. You're right. Um, the shallow end of a pool or like a, an unexplored river or something. As long as you're going to get paralyzed or hit your head in the bottom. Okay, sure. Yeah. As long as you're not making those sorts of decisions, there's a lot... Most of the errors you're going to make as a, as a kid and as a young person are going to be... relatively slap on the wrist Mm -hmm. level consequences yeah yeah i think it's i think there is those are sorry are those huge cases where there is really significant consequences for a decision that's made um pregnancy is one yeah for sure um but specifically like talking about like as a as a child or whatever like i think right now there's a huge fear about um especially like uh like sex trafficking stuff which Mm -hmm. is yeah don't get me wrong that is a massive issue but i um like how many i think i read something and it was like okay well i think all people are afraid that their child's gonna be abducted by a stranger and it's like most people are not sex trafficked by strangers through an abduction most people are sex trafficked through relatives family members that's awful trusted people yeah and so it's just like that's one of those things where it's okay i'm really afraid my child's gonna be abducted but that really doesn't happen that often Mm -hmm. it's usually somebody close to you that's harming the child and so it's just like yeah it is awful um but it's just like focusing on make sure you're focusing on like the right issue and targeting that issue anyways felt a little bit different there but that just came to mind but no but um, i I, I was just talking about this the other day where in the context of like the dare program or the programs of when you go into schools and talk about drunk driving mm -hmm. a lot of people they use like the most emotionally impactful stories Mm -hmm. but the problem is the most sex, the emotionally sexy things to avoid aren't the ones that actually harm most people on the day, on the day to day basis. Is that what you're saying? Like the I things, think so. yeah. The things. Oh, what was the example that you just used? Uh, like abductions. Oh yeah, like like yeah. the amount of people who are abducted versus the amount of people who are sexually assaulted by a family member. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there. I don't think those numbers are, are very similar. No. I yeah. Think, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> not that people aren't afraid of that, but. Yeah, no, I think it's just something that they don't expect as much because they think, oh, yeah, I know that person. Like, Mm -hmm. I trust this person. Mm -hmm. And it's just, even for me, there's, like, everybody who I trust, I would never really imagine them 
doing something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I just have good taste in people. But everybody thinks that, you know? Exactly. It's just like... I have good taste in people. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I have such impeccable decisions with who I let into my life, mm. but it's just like, you don't really know that. Like no. people like, uh, especially like sociopaths and psychopaths, not everybody who molests is a sociopath or psychopath. Cause I don't think they are, but people like that are very good at hiding like their true selves. That's kind of their MO. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, I could, you can trust me or you or whoever can trust someone with their whole whole heart and be like, that's mm-hmm. a great person. And then suddenly you're like, whoa, like that's not who I thought it was. And I think that's really interesting to kind of ties back to the stuff we were talking about earlier with like, um, like good versus bad and whatever. Mm. And El Chapo. And El Chapo. <laughs> that's yeah. like every, every pedophile was once in high school. You know, it's like, that's mm-hmm. a, just it's like this crazy that you could think about those sorts of things. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I'm no, no, I'm gonna not gonna talk about that. But no, don't. No, I, I don't. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. You shouldn't. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, it's a touchy subject. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. no, no, not for me, not for me. Oh my god. Oh no. okay. No, 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 okay, no, 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 okay, no. Okay, okay. Oh my goodness. And that's always the fear I have because I'm people, saying for people. Yeah, people are so. Everyone has, and that's the things I'm. I tend to be more responsibility oriented rather than empathy oriented but then whenever i'm in a situation where i'm feeling overwhelmed or something then that's when you realize oh shit i need to cut everyone i need to cut everyone a break yeah because everybody's like this and some people are like this more than i am yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you're like there you go clapping your hands (laughs) yes no it's it's difficult to understand different people's perspectives extremely it's yeah hard to to tiptoe around things Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i don't think we always should have to Mm -hmm. but i also think you should try to be as sensitive as you can with certain issues yeah there's there's some issues that just never have a there's no like there's some issues like if you're going to discuss hockey Mm -hmm. you can kind of have a casual five out of ten conversation about hockey yeah but you can't have a five out of ten conversation about pedophilia or about any sort of those like yeah like abortion or any of those hot topics yeah, that's a shame. Did you I'd love to talk about pedophilia more. Me too. <laughs> oh my, okay. It's a real shame. Touche, man. Touche. <laughs> do you have a problem with people saying, calling, like, you know when you say man or guys? Do you, do you have a problem with the with guys being used as a plural? No. Personally, no. Increasingly, I'm wondering if I should be using that. Yeah, I know that some people don't like it. I think, I don't know. Maybe some girls are more sensitive to it. I don't know. But also, I think right now there's the discussion about like, um, like gender pronouns and whatever. And maybe mm. someone who was a was a born a man, but then transitioned to a woman or something, and they're referred to as like, hey, oh, guys or something. Maybe they're a little more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't have that experience. I don't want to talk that experience because I don't. I don't really know what it is. But that's kind of what I would think. Just some people who are. I don't know they are a little more sensitive about it just because maybe it's something that they are... I don't know how to word it. Do but just it's more present in their life where maybe they're well-worded. misgendered a lot, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah. so, yeah, for me, it's never really bothered me. But I've also... I feel like for me, I have always... I've never been like, oh, I'm a girly girl. Please don't refer to me as... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm fine. Like, someone calls me dude. Someone calls me bro. Someone calls me guy or something guys what about hun 
Hun? I've never liked Hun. I'll be honest. I think I lean more towards... I'm not allowed there. Sorry. I lean more towards, um, like, gender neutral and, like, more masculine, like, nicknames and pronouns and kind of... For not, yourself or giving up? For myself. Mm. Like, I've never really liked being, like, oh, girly, oh, like, or, girly. like, <laughs> babe, or, like, that sort of thing. Like, me talking to other girls or, like, even other girls talking to me. Like, I just don't necessarily love that. Mm. And like I said, like, I I'm was born a girl, I'm still a girl, I'm straight, I'm, you know, a basic girl, but, like... Um, <laughs> but I've just always, I've just, strangely felt, put. yeah, sorry. I've just more, I've always felt more comfortable with just the, the more masculine nicknames and, and that sort of thing. See, I wasn't even thinking as much in terms of orientation. I'm thinking of if I'm talking to a guy uh-huh. and they call me dude, you don't like it. It's okay. Dude's okay. But like okay. If, if someone, especially if I'm talking to someone who I'm not, I don't have a, a rapport with mm-hmm. and they call me bud, buddy. Mm. Um, I think Bud. It's just Bud and Buddy is like it's Bud. basically it's uh yeah. Because who do who's when you think of Bud, you think of someone who's like an adult calling a kid Buddy. So when you're using it, Feels when you're peers, it's condescending. Yeah. And I think I think women have told me the same thing about Hun. When you're two women talking and Feels she goes, "Oh, good yeah. Hun." Oh, you know. Oh, or, that, good yeah. for you, Hun. I know what you mean. Yeah, because that. I 100% know because I've definitely been places or if I'm working somewhere mm-hmm. and someone goes, oh, like, thanks, hon. And I'm like, I, <laughs> that rubs me the wrong yeah, way. Yeah. So yeah, different topic, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The workplace is one where that can happen. I think yeah. Sasha, or like, I think it would probably happen a lot in terms of, I think, I guess when you're working with people who are different ages. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It's different generational differences as well, though, too, you know? Like, I think maybe it was more normal to call someone, like, honey or, like, whatever, mm, on, like, a casual basis. Yeah. Um, for, like, I whenever I think of someone calling me honey, like, I'm more I'm more okay with being called hun or honey by a stranger if they're a, a middle-aged to elderly woman than someone my age. If I'm working True. and someone goes, thanks, hun, I'm like, I... Hey you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back jobs. Tell, yeah. me, tell me what you really think. Yeah, it's it's almost nice to be called. A hun sounds nice, but even I don't I don't think Bud I don't think Bud's the same way. I wouldn't want anyone calling me Bud. Bud, yeah. I think maybe, maybe that's my own hang up. For me, Bud. I don't know. I think I'm okay with it if it's like a friend and it's more in like a, a jokey way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If I'm teasing them or like or they're you, teasing me. You can tell something. You can tell what people mean. I think you can tell a lot more than you than people admit. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting just the the way that, like, uh, conversations and communication works. Like, linguistics, kind of. That's a that's kind of a way to think about linguistics. It's just, like, communication tactics and, like, how it how you talk to people mm. and, like, how you understand it. And people from different cultures, how they might not understand what you're saying because it's, like, a slang term in your country or just the, the connotation that comes with, like, using a certain phrase or a certain word. Yeah, and... It's not even just limited to language. I remember, you remember, you remember Scott Kim? Scott, yeah. Hello, Scott Kim, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> we he, miss you. Long time no see. <laughs> long, I, we miss you, like, definitely. I love that guy. But we, I think there's different practices in Korean culture around, like, slurping food and noodles and stuff. Mm. Like, the way we have this hard and fast, or it's it's kind of eroding now, but the etiquette around don't slurp, don't have things hanging out of your mouth. Yeah, but it's more common when you're eating like noodles or something. When you're when you're when you're from Asia and you're eating noodles, that's what happens. Yeah. So it's like 
I remember being, I forget where I was, but there was this moment where there was some slurping going on and then it was kind of a confrontation. And I felt so bad for Scott because he looked up and I could yeah. see in his eyes. He had no idea what he'd done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I can't imagine. That would be hard. Yeah. And, and living somewhere where you just aren't in it with those million little cues. Yeah. Both like verbal and just physical cues and oh, stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I, I do want to live somewhere eventually because I think that's the only way I'm going to learn a language now <laughs> is living somewhere else. True. Germany, maybe. I don't Ooh, know. Germany. I don't know where I'd want to go. German's a useless language to learn anyway. <laughs> is I'll, it? I'll, well, I mean, I'd rather learn Mandarin product, or product, like, in terms that's of true. practicality. True. That feels like the most practical language. Or Spanish. If it's Spanish? used in, in yeah. northern and southern hemisphere, you know it's a golden language to learn. <laughs> true. English. True. English is good. But uh, we already know that, so. Yeah. Spanish would be good. Mm-hmm. Or Mandarin. Good. Did I already say Mandarin? You did say Mandarin. Oh, shoot. What's uh, the other Chinese one? I was, I was going to say, I was thinking, I think it's just Chinese, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't think so. I was thinking the other the other main... Mandarin and Cantonese. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is Chinese a language? It know. is. No, I know Chinese is a language. Is it? Oh, no. see, these are the moments when people cringe listening to they this. They say, these people are uneducated. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be educated on everything, yeah. though. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's been... It's been almost two hours. Yeah, we could probably... Wrap it up. Wrap it up, yeah. It's been... It's been fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed that it. That was a wide variety of topics, like yeah. I was saying I was available for. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I So far, I've been very surprised at how things move... Flowed in the conversations well, that you're talking I don't even, about. I don't even know about flow, but how, how much ground is, can be covered. I think when, when have I ever sat down with someone and had a two-hour conversation? Not very often. Yeah. Very infrequently, especially one-on-one. Yeah. Especially a serious true. conversation. There's a lot more... Like when you're with your friend mm-hmm. and you're hanging out, you're doing an activity. Yeah. Oftentimes, or you're kind of like joking, you're, you're throwing some yeah. uh, ribs back and forth. Some ribs? Or like, you rib, you know when you rib someone? What's that? I'm, uh, joking. It's a term for like, okay. oh, I'm, I'm just ribbing you. You oh, haven't heard that? I've never heard that. <laughs> Shit, now, ribbon, I'm not, yeah. now I'm not even sure if that's a saying. Okay, Anyways, well, it is now. This we're not getting back into it. That's it. Okay, folks. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dobbs. That was great. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thank you, Amanda, for coming on. That was a really enjoyable discussion and a bit of a marathon. Well, you'll hear more from me soon. Take care. <laughs>